And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I so enjoy having David McIntosh on the show. He just, he's always really knowledgeable. And I do think in this tariffs thing, you know, part of what President Trump ran on this protection of the American economy and protection of the American worker and bringing jobs back, people, they see this tariff thing as a an affirmation by the president. Yeah, he's not going to let those dang foreign countries cheat us. He's going to bring the jobs here. But, you know, economics are like, I always say it's like gravity. You know, the law the laws apply to you whether you know it or not or like it or not. It doesn't really matter. They just apply. And so to do things that will hurt the economy, even if it has the visceral kind of, yeah, set those people straight, uh, it, you know, is not healthy for the economy. But anyway, loved having him on. So this is our uh, second hour. And you know, I normally, I used to have a roundtable and I've kind of dropped that, but I wanted to have a millennial roundtable tonight. I love having people here from SMU and other millennials. And tonight I was supposed to have two millennials here. But um, one of them uh, flaked up. No, he didn't. He's not feeling well. But we do have joining us in studio tonight. Uh, and I love in studio. I have Price Morgan. He is the current vice chair of the Young America's Foundation at SMU. And um, so I, the reason I actually met him recently was because at SMU, my husband and I just had a great opportunity to attend an, a, an event at SMU featuring Dennis Prager, sponsored by Young America's Foundation. So I'm going to do my cruise to the news. But I want to start with... Did you just love Dennis Prager? Like, what's the best thing about Prager being there, the best thing he t- talked about? Well, it was a fantastic event. The The ticket sales went gangbusters. We had, yeah. we had 450 people show up and 20,000 people watching on Facebook. So it was our most popular event we've ever had with uh, SMU Young Americans for Freedom. Uh, his message was great. He, he stayed out of punditry. He talked about religion. He talked about philosophy. And it was really an enriching experience for everybody who showed up, especially, I felt, the undergraduates. Uh, who might not have necessarily agreed with him. They got to come in and ask him questions, and uh, it was a fantastic dialogue all, all around. Oh, I thought it was fabulous. And we're going to turn more to Prager uh, in the next segment, but I'm going to do my crew. I thought it was great. Honestly, my husband and I were smiling the whole way home, just thinking what a great influence Dennis Prager has on America. So I'm going to start with the one thing that um, the— uh, my cruise to the news because I want to talk about Prager and Prager videos and what's happened to them uh, as a whole topic. But so here's my cruise to the news, starting with there is a guy in um, Ivy League. I think he's at Yale. He's at one of the Ivy League groups as a male student, undergraduate student who started a group called um, uh, his it's called Care Net, like C-A-R-E Net. He's basically making the argument that young men should also be part of the political conversation about abortion. So he says, here's what a man should say when told to shut up about abortion, just to say, no, actually, I have an opinion, too, and I get to participate in the conversation, too. So he's trying to get young men to talk about abortion. Do you think that's just going to enrage young women? What do you think about that? Is that, is that a, a fool's errand or what? Well, I was actually at Yale this last week for a seminar, and it is not the place you want to be anything remotely approaching right wing. Uh, the, the students are—they see themselves as activists. If you get into an Ivy League school, you are the, 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 the people of tomorrow, and you are going to cause all the trouble in the world. So— the, the kids there who are conservative or even right-leaning, are, are, they're, they're in hiding. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and so if you have an, an opinion on such a hot-button topic as abortion, which is just unilaterally uh, uh, supported by the faculty, the administration, the clubs there, uh, you're going to get a lot of pushback. Uh, and I think it's great that this, this fellow here is trying to, to get young men talking more about abortion because this is an issue that affects us all, you know, it's uh, it may be controversial to say this today, but it actually does take two people to produce a baby, 
and uh, and both of them should have a say in in what happens here. And there's also just a purely scientific uh, purely scientific argument that there is a there is a, a human life going on there, yeah, even from the point of conception. You know, it's funny because I think my views may have changed about this over the years because as you know especially young women and feminists are talking about abortion. It's always, they're always trying to talk about, it's my body, my choice, my life, my, 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 my. And the truth is part of what has to be, and the bubble has to burst that issue is that no, actually we're all talking about a, a nationwide policy. Do we allow people to, for, uh, to kill unborn children or not. It is a, it's a national policy, and men do have just as much, and I think it kind of takes it away from that feminist attitude that says, you, you aren't even allowed to, to open your mouth about this. I love he's doing it, actually. But, I'm, I'm, you know, it's kind of funny because I think I've had, um, and I do a little bit of political consulting, I've had male candidates who are like, well, yeah, I think I'm just going to kind of more or less steer clear of that because it's a very hard thing. And, and, and the feminist movement has tried to make it into, well, you know, if you're a guy and you're pro-life and you're just intolerant of women and, and you're, it's, like, it's like an anti-woman position. And that's another reason I'm glad he's speaking up. I thought it was great. It's great. And I'll tell you what, the, the fact of the matter is that my generation is more pro-life than previous generations. And according to polls by Pew Research, the fact of the matter is that uh, women and men hold uh, about the same percentage of women and men oppose abortion. And it's about 50 percent uh, of each gender. So there's really there's no meaningful gender difference in that uh, in that respect. Yeah. And I just I just I, I love that. OK, so we only have a we're not I have a bunch of stories, but as always happens in Cruise through the news, we only have one time or one uh-huh. more story very quickly. So Hillary was in India. I have to say, if you I, I think the Republican Party should pay her to keep talking. I mean, she in, in India, she came out with a statement that women who voted for Trump only did that because her husband said so. So in 10 seconds or 20 seconds, any reaction to that? I think it's tremendously disrespectful to the people that I, I've grown up with, the people that I like. And it's it shows the myopia of the Democratic Party. They don't know what they're doing. They I, I mean, if they're going to if they're going to if they want to win this country back from Trump, they have to take a seriously different tack. And I think we see that with uh, people uh, distancing right. themselves. Amen to that. Come back after the break, folks. <laughs> Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. 
and they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back. Okay, I'm Debbie George Addis. If you're listening on Facebook Live, I meant to, uh, I have a fabulous assistant on Facebook Live who's told me to say this, and I always forget, I'm sorry, but what we do on Facebook Live, because the show is live, there are four-minute uh, commercial breaks, and just in case you don't really want to listen to commercials, we shut the uh, Facebook Live off f- between every segment. So these are about 11-minute segments, and so if you're listening, you get the end of this, and you see the video end, come right back in four minutes, because the show, we just love to have you come back. So in studio tonight, as I mentioned, we have a millennial roundtable of one. We're supposed to have Grant Wolf here. He's been many times, could not join us, but Price Morgan is here. And so I want to talk a little more and go back to the SMU thing with Prager. Okay, have you ever watched a Prager video? I'll start with that. Absolutely. So I've been aware of PragerU for many years. I've watched a lot of their videos. I've probably watched well over 100 of their videos, if there are that many uh, in existence. And I've even been involved in their uh, youth college outreach program, Prager Force. Really? I don't even know about that. What's Prager Force do? Well, so it's a, it's a group for college students uh, who want to uh, promote the ideas that PragerU promotes on their campus. 
Uh, you can join it uh, by you know, contacting PragerU. I could actually, uh, I could actually look into that. I'm not quite sure how you join these days, but uh, but it's a great group, and I, I've met a lot of great people. It's great for networking, great for promoting the values. Okay. Well, I will tell you that I, what I want to talk about first of all is that Dennis Prager. Among the reasons we enjoyed him so much, you know, he just he has zero pretentiousness about him. He just says what he thinks from the heart. And uh, and just very comfortable recognizing, well, maybe you don't agree with me, but here's what I think. And he also is unafraid. I mean, I think a lot of people, and he made this point, um, speaking SMU, is a lot of people on the conservative side, they're really good about talking about tax policy or border security or military policy. But they try. They just want to get to policy answers without, uh, just devoid of any reference to religion. They don't want to mention God. They don't want to mention morality coming from God. And so I, I love that about him. That he just. It isn't that he's a. You know, he's Jewish and he's a very, um, as I understand, very devout uh, Jewish man. But he and he's not pushing religion. But he's just saying I can't get to my conclusions or to clarity without starting with basic truths about life and God and, and the nature of man. And so he kind of springs, I just love that about him, but I digress. What I want to talk about were the videos. So he has all these videos. They are tremendously good. Today I clicked on a few and I was thinking about getting ready for the show tonight. You know, they have uh, prominent figures trying to talk about just a lot of issues in America, simple videos, and what is astonishing what's happened to him is... His videos are being blocked or either blocked entirely or, and you might know the term for this, Price, but they are... Yeah, yeah. So the, the situation is the videos are being restricted. Restricted, Meaning yeah, that yeah. if you are under 18 years of age, you need to have uh, parental permission in order to view them. And the videos that are being restricted are some of the, the least controversial subjects. You know, something as, as simple as like a war. Like uh, what were the reasons the United States went into Korea or Vietnam? These are being restricted for people under the age of 18. Yeah, and you know what's happening. This is so. So YouTube is restricting. That was a good example. Uh, one was by Victor Davis Hanson. I remember that. Who's just you know revered by conservatives around the country. Just a he's one of the most thoughtful, articulate um, observers of America's political culture of everything about America. He's very uh, aware. And and um, I honestly don't recall the topic of that video. But I mean that would be. I'm sorry, that that would be like restricting, you know, Captain Kangaroo or something. I mean, just so straight arrow, so factual, and, and that's not a good analogy because that was a silly analogy. There's very he's a very serious thinker, but this is YouTube deciding essentially to block access, which leads me to the real point I want to get to, which was this. Dennis Prager, after asking YouTube to stop doing this with his videos, asked him to stop restricting them. Couldn't get an answer. And YouTube is, you know, they've been under pressure because people have found YouTube videos about how to build a bomb or how to do some bad stuff. And so there is some pressure from the public to not have truly dangerous videos up. But what they're really doing is flat out political uh, attack on conservatives. That's what YouTube editing is. I mean, yes, they might take off a how to build a bomb or something, but they're they are just heavily tilted to the left and they are essentially cutting out communication um, or limiting communication by conservatives through their platform, which is YouTube. So he's got a lawsuit against Google and I'm glad he's suing them. I mean, he's it's, he's calling it a free speech case. But here's the question. YouTube is not the government. I mean, free speech 
is guaranteed by the Constitution in the First Amendment, but says that which it refers to the government cannot limit your free speech. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm concerned that, that Prager, he's making a great point, and it, I think the argument that YouTube is just clearly biased and they're liberal is irrefutable. That's exactly what they're doing. But I don't know where he's going to go with this lawsuit. I don't know if you have any... Have you followed it at all? Or, well, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's it's very true that technology develops so much faster than we can think about what we can do with it. What are the implications of this technology? And YouTube's one of those situations. YouTube has an effective monopoly on a service for propagating speech. And so that brings in so many new questions that we didn't deal with before we had these video streaming services or, or video uh, video services like YouTube uh, is... Where where is that line? Where can we say they're discriminating against us, and we have we have to change that? So you can at- attack this issue from so many different angles. For example, uh, uh, somebody said that oh, in YouTube's terms of service, they guarantee non discrimination based on viewpoints. So maybe that's uh, an inroad for so this. So c- contract violation. Yes, for contract violation, exactly. Uh, and another one is is simply the charge that that they're violating uh, they're violating antitrust because they're 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 monopolists. Okay, well, that's the one I'm going to get to because I'm going to tell you my lawyer has kicking in. But, you know, the problem with YouTube is it is privately held. And so even if you prove a contract violation, they could change their contract and say, as a matter of fact, we 100 percent, um, we reveal to you, we admit we have we have viewpoint discrimination and we're we decide what's OK, what's not. And you can't publish. And then and, and then so they're not violating their contract anymore. I'm not sure that Dennis Prager is going to succeed in that. I'm glad he's bringing this lawsuit. I'm glad that attention is being paid. But I actually think this is going to get to the point we have to have, you mentioned monopoly, but yeah, it is a monopoly. We have to have antitrust litigation. It is monopoly and it has to be broken up. And this isn't the first time we talked about this because Facebook, similar things with Facebook. But it's so interesting. On the one hand, YouTube says, hey, we're a private company. You want to, you know, you don't like our rules. You go make your own YouTube. But that's not that's not realistic. And that's not. I mean, you don't have that capacity as a uh, most Americans could not create their own YouTube. And I, I and so I mean, I think it's a it's a challenging issue. But I was earlier today thinking about analogies. It's like if the Washington Post was the only newspaper in America, and it's privately owned, and they said, "Yep, we only print liberal news and, and liberal viewpoints." We would. It, the problem is, uh, you know, usually monopoly deals with the production of a product, like you know, even even uh, AT and T, a phone service was a product or a service. This is this is a monopoly of information distribution, and that's why it's so. It, it's a little bit. I don't know. I get concerned about how. What do? You, what is the government going to do to even break it up? What's What's especially interesting is that YouTube has maintained radio silence on this issue. They haven't come out and admitted, oh, we are discriminating against conservative viewpoints. They're simply saying we're not going to comment on it. So I think that if they did come out and say we are discriminating, that would kind of change the game. And at that point, I think they lose their veneer of uh, objectivity that a lot of people who are on the left still uh, still think they have. Well, if I'm sorry. If you watch a Prager video and you think that there would be a justification for YouTube to take that down. I'm sorry, that's just that you know it it as they say there's no coarseness, there's not crassness, not bad language, not sensuality, there's nothing inappropriate. It's all about viewpoint. I did find a list of things uh they that have been blocked over 3 dozen of Prager's videos blocked. You're at Korean War, history of the Korean War, the Israelis and Palestinians. Um I mean just a lot of things that are just 
They're informational. One of them was blocked, had to do with the Democrat and Republican parties and how, over time, how the uh, South changed from being majority Democrat voters to majority Republican voters. It was just historical. That was with that Carol Swain, Professor Carol Swain, uh, who's been on the show, too. Uh, and, and, I mean, there's no answer except as a viewpoint, to, to my sense. I, I tell you where, where I'm on all this. I'm, I'm wishing that actually someone, I, I'm wishing that the um, issue would get discussed by politicians in public more from the perspective of saying, we're going to break you up unless you drop the viewpoint discrimination. I think that'd be threatened. Them, Facebook, Google, YouTube, all of them. Because you think about, let me just ask you, when you, if you hear a name you've never heard before and someone says, and you want to go look it up, where do you go look it up? Google. Google. Okay. Google is, is it, it has a, a huge hold on the market. There are alternatives like Bing. I, I don't think Google is, I wouldn't call Google a monopoly in terms of search engines because there are others, but it's certainly the most powerful corporation in that, uh, in that sense. Yeah, I I just it's an interesting new legal horizon area because you do have people who rely on Google, YouTube, all those entities for information and Facebook. And if you cannot get them to give give you a square answer, if if they're biased, you're really withholding information for the American public. I want politicians to start talking about this. Okay, we're going to zip off to our break. We come back. We have someone who's here to talk with us from Operation Homefront, a veterans organization you're going to love. Come right back. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Okay, this is a fun adventure tonight. If you listen on YouTube, on uh, Facebook Live, you see we have the camera far back. I want to be sure you can see everyone in the studio. We have a millennial roundtable of one here tonight, Price Morgan. Uh, so glad to have him. He's with SMU and Young America's Foundation. As I mentioned before the break, we are very honored to have in studio uh, the Brigadier General Robert Thomas, who is with Operation Homefront. And, you know, I always talk about how much I appreciate the military, and I try to tell stories about funding the military and all that is needed. But I also want to share, I want to start doing more of this, sharing about the organizations here in America who try to help veterans and their families. And I was actually, you know, Googling around, speaking of Google, we were talking about the last segment, but, you know, trying to find organizations that are really doing great things. And I came upon Operation Homefront. So I'm so glad you could join me tonight and uh, welcome in the studio. And uh, if you would, tell us all about um, Operation Homefront. And you got to get right one inch. Bring your mouth. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, uh, thanks for having me today. It's wonderful to have the invitation and, and be able to tell a little bit about Operation Homefront. Uh, we're an organization that's uh, dedicated to military families. So our mission is to help build strong, stable, secure military families so they can thrive, not just get by, but thrive in those communities they've worked so hard to protect. So I know you're up in Dallas for some reason uh, this weekend. Uh, you're, aren't you based in San Antonio or Houston? Or? We are. We have our operational headquarters in San Antonio, and we're just over at a Texas uh, Legends event. Uh, they are a big supporter of, of the military, and, uh, and we also partner with Home Depot. So Home Depot, it was Home Depot uh, sponsored the game, and we were their featured charity. So uh, a great opportunity to spend some time with two organizations that are big supporters of the military. I love that. I just want to hear more about because I I think I I do hear stories occasionally. I share stories about 
struggles people have coming back after the military service for a variety of reasons. But just tell us some of the kind of programs you do and what way. I mean, and I'd love to hear any stories about families, if you can share some of those. I'd, I love that you're doing things to help veterans. Well, I'll tell you about Martin. Uh, he was one of the uh, veterans we featured tonight at the game. What a great guy. Um, he enlisted in the Army in 1972. Got out in 1975, so he's a little bit older than me. Um, and uh, and then he uh, decided to enlist in the Texas Air National Guard. And after that, he decided to enlist in the Air Force. So in the end, he had 23 years of service. Uh, he deployed uh, throughout the Middle East. And in his last deployment, he was in Balad Air Base in Iraq. And he was uh, hit by a sniper in the arm. Uh-huh. And uh, and he it took a couple of years to uh, to heal up, but a great American. And so he came back home. He's got limited use of his left arm. His uh, wife was working. Uh, she broke her arm, so she was out of work for about three months. So at exactly the wrong time, one of these big Texas uh, hailstorms comes and wrecks his roof. So he's got a leaking roof. He's got to decide what to do. Do I accept the leak? And if he does that, well, there's going to be mold to follow. But he told his wife, you know, we've got to get this fixed. And he had insurance. It wasn't like he wasn't insured, but he didn't have the deductible for $5,000. So uh, so he came to Operation Homefront, and we were, were able to help him with that $5,000 deductible so the insurance company would pay to get him a new roof. And and those kind of stories are very common out there. Uh, our veterans aren't looking for charity. They're just looking for a little help to get them through a, a rough patch or perhaps they're in between jobs, and we want to be there for them. So veterans of any military branch, of any era, any age— if they and is it just is it mostly things like that, just uh, financial assistance here or there, or is it? Don't you do some helping them towards uh, finding homes? We do. Right? So we focus on uh, veterans within seven years of discharge. We really want to do a, a great job of helping those men and women right when they're leaving the service, because eventually they they've got to get that civilian job and and live the American dream. For home repairs, we'll uh, assist any veteran that's uh, post nine eleven. And, of course, that has to do with our funding. So we have, uh, we have great partners. Uh, home Depot is our biggest partner in home repair space. So that, that program is a little bit more uh, well-funded, and we're able to uh, broaden the eligibility. We have a great program called Homes on the Homefront. We uh, partner with uh, J.P. Morgan Chase is our biggest partner, along with uh, Meritage Homes, Pulte, uh, Wade Journey. And so what we'll do is we will uh, take a home. Many times it's a distressed property. We'll make sure the home is in a safe neighborhood. We'll double-check the schools. We'll double-check the uh, crimes in the area. And uh, when we accept the home in the program, J.P. Morgan Chase will invest about $35,000, making sure the home is uh, safe and uh, ready for occupancy. Then we open it up. Uh, you can go to our website, operationhomefront.org, apply for the home. Uh, if you're a veteran and it's, it's open to any veteran, and, uh, and then our social workers have the tough job of finding the right family for that home. So we have had as many as 400 families apply for a single home, which is a very, very difficult decision. But if it's a small one-bedroom condo, that's great for a single vet or uh, perhaps uh, a husband-wife. Or if it's a four-bedroom home, that's a great fit for someone with a lot of kids. But they, uh, they enter into the program. It's a program. And then we'll set goals to uh, increase savings, reduce debt, Perhaps they have some educational goals. Perhaps they have some employment goals. We'll also want them to uh, get involved in the local community in in any way they choose. Uh, Little League baseball coach, volunteering down at City Hall, school crossing guard, uh, involved in their church, you name it. We want to get them outside. We want to see them part of the community. 
On average, it takes about two years, but when they complete the program, we will give them the deed to the home, and they own it free and clear. That's about heart melting, honestly. That is so. I just what a wonderful thing. So, do you also have people who just come back from the military and they uh, serve their time and they're but they need to get education? Do you help them with getting toward colleges? I, I honestly, I'm learning from you as you're sitting here. So, well, we don't have any uh, any of those type programs. We're mostly pr- uh, providing uh, critical financial assistance, transitional housing, in our permanent housing. We have a a whole portfolio of relief, resiliency, and recurring family support programs. Another program we have is our transitional housing villages. Uh, we have a village in San Diego, uh, one in um, Gaithersburg, Maryland, one in San Antonio. They're co-located with the big military medical centers, and those are targeted on men and women who are going through the medical discharge process. Oh, yeah. Many times their last military paycheck has already come, but their VA benefits aren't in place. And they don't have any savings. So what do you do? So we provide them a safe, secure place till they get their uh, feet on the ground. They get their B- VA benefits uh, rolling, and then they're ready to transition. Or they're going through some extensive medical treatment. They want, you know, it helps the soldier or, you know, the veteran to have their uh, family members with them. And so the family members can't afford to come down for uh, three, four, six months and stay in a hotel. So we, we put them up in the village and, uh, and help the families out. I love that. I'm going to guess you have many more applicants than uh, than, than you can, whose needs you can meet. That's that right. right, and it is heart wrenching. Uh, each of those villages has ten uh, client apartments, so we got thirty apartments total in the program. There are the the need is much greater than that, but that's uh, that's what we currently have funded in the program. Just like any nonprofit, we can only provide the assistance that uh, that very uh, kind hearted donors and partners. Uh, passed to us. So you mentioned several corporate sponsors or, or uh, partners with you. You take donations from individuals too, I assume? We do. Uh, we have all the details on, on the websites. Um, we have quite a few uh, corporate partners. So uh, really anyone who, who wants to step up and help our uh, military families, uh, we've got a program um, that they can uh, support. I just love that if you're just tuning in, and I hope you're not just tuning in, but we're speaking with Brigadier General Robert Thomas of Operation Homefront. And, um, you know, as I say, and this, this show is always dedicated to, as I try to say every week, to preserving the unique, extraordinary, exceptional idea that is America. And, you know, all of us, the vast majority of Americans live our lives every day, and we we know we're safe because we live in, a, in America, and it's a safe country, and we trust our military to take care of us. But the vast majority of Americans have no connection with the military. They don't serve. They know when their family serves. They just know those people are out there wherever they are needed to be in the world protecting us so we can live freely at home. So the idea of... You know, the many charities that ring on your, knock on your door or send you emails or mails every day, mail every day, you know, charities that are trying to help veterans of, of all, with all ways, in all ways, uh, they, I, they're really, um, pull my tug, or tug of my heartstrings and I hope they do it yours because, you know, this, uh, we wouldn't have America, the safety and security that we have except for, uh, the people who are willing to serve and their families who are kind of serving along with them because they're either at home while the, the husband or wife is gone, um, and and they come back, and they're trying to put their life back together, and those are just big struggles. So I'm just so grateful your organization exists. Again, why don't you tell them the website one more time? It's operationhomefront.org. And you can make donations online, I assume. You're- That's correct. 
Okay. And honestly, just follow what they do. I, I'm just, I love featuring um, any organizations that will help our veterans. And I just love all of us uh, who love this country, remembering that, you know, I'm kind of in the political battle all day long, but these people are actually, I, I just get insults sometimes from people who don't like my political views. These people get shot at and they come home, maybe injured, a little bit uh, fragile, and the need, and just a need for some support. And, and I love the very direct, specific kind of support you do. So, uh, may I call you Bob? Bob, absolutely. Bob, thank you so much for coming in tonight. And, folks, I encourage you to go to the website for Operation Homefront. See what they do. See if you can help with them do it. Uh, it's just it's a tremendous thing. And they're going to start advertising on the show. So, yay. Okay, folks, we're going to zip off to our break. And when we come back, we have our last little segment with our single millennial roundtable, Price Morgan. Come right back. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There's a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. 
program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit firstliberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's firstliberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to firstliberty.org now. Welcome back. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm so glad you've tuned in. And we have in studio tonight uh, my millennial roundtable, singular. I guess it's not a roundtable. It's like a straight line. Yeah, it's a straight table. It's a straight table. There you go. Our millennial straight table. This is even a table at all. (laughs) There you go. Okay. So, first of all, I'm so glad you're here. I want to turn and talk about something else. This is actually a a very good question for a millennial, um, such as yourself. And that is this. There was a story out, and I think the left is trying to make major hay out of this and i'm curious like how this strikes you and we talked about a little bit uh before the show started so uh, you know you know i'm going with this but i'm just very curious about um there's a story out relating to an accusation about the donald trump campaign having used data that they uh were able to collect uh is during the campaign i guess able to collect from facebook Related to something that people, it was an app people signed up for. They signed, said okay, but the data was used to dig into Facebook and get a lot of information about these users. And then, then was used uh, by the campaign. And and the organization that uh, was involved is called Cambridge Analytica. C-A, Cambridge Analytica. And the question is, maybe you understand better I did what they did, but understand better than what I just said what they did. If you want to explain what they did, and, and, and was it a bad thing or not? Well, so it's interesting. This is a new, a new sector of the law that, that we don't really have a lot of precedent for because technology is just coming out so quickly. Uh, the situation was this, this app that users downloaded willingly, uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's able to access your information on Facebook. And so this is not your credit card number. It's not your social security. It's just whatever you choose to share with your friends on Facebook. So that might be political views. It might be which political figures that you like. Uh, and, and this app was able to access all of that. And it was also able to access that on all of your friends' profiles on Facebook too. So even though it was, it was under 300,000 people downloaded this app from Cambridge Analytics, uh, it was able to access tens of millions of people's information. So 
uh, and that information was used to tailor advertising to them uh, for the Trump campaign. So it's a question that, that really it, it digs into, you know, at what point is that unethical? At what point can the law actually prevent such an app from, from doing that, especially when it's willingly downloaded and presumably these users signed up to have this happen? Okay, let me make sure before we get too far on this, because Trump is going to get major criticism for this, that somehow that he cheated to win the election. They, they stole data. So to be very clear, the people whose information was accessed did check off. They agreed whether they read the agreement or not and whoever reads them, but they did agree with this app. When they got this app, they did agree to let the app access their Facebook information. Yes, that that is is certainly almost always the case with apps. And, okay. and really, really the the thing is, uh, the the bigger question is, what happens when you have an app that not only accesses your information, it also accesses the information of your friends. That was my next trick. Okay, I, I'm serious about this. So you're you think? I mean, everyone is like this. You you go on, you want to get some service, some app, and they say, "Do you agree?" And it's like you either have to agree or you can't have it. So you go, okay, fine, I agree. And no one reads it. And I'm a lawyer, and I'm fairly wonky, and I don't read it. But having said that, you know, you're not really thinking that they're going to go in and see every single like you did and realize, oh, she likes people who talk about the environment or whatever. And then, but did you just say that the this whole system actually permitted, once you took the app and you said, okay, you can see my Facebook stuff, it let you see the friends of the person who had that app? and they're- Right, yes. So that's, that's the major oh. issue here because... Uh, you know, there's only so much you can legally do if the person actually signs up to have their information accessed. It's a bigger question when you have this app also also getting at the information of all the people that this person's friends with. And at that point, it's an exponential increase of people the app can access. It's exactly the word I was going to say. Exponential. Yeah, yes. there you go. I took calculus. <laughs> um, so, so here, I mean, it, it's a really interesting question because on the one hand, I'm grumbling all the time about how I feel like I'm being you know, watched everywhere. For example, you know, at the grocery store, we you go through the grocery store and if you put in your phone number and you have your, ours happens to be called Tom Thumb or Tom Thumb app. But if you use your Tom Thumb card, then you get discounts. But pretty soon you realize that Tom Thumb used to send us ads and they're sending us ads for stuff I always buy. So they're tracking what I buy. Then they're sending me ads to entice me to come buy more of that creepy as all get out or you've had the thing too when you're uh online and you're looking for like i i we i wanted to supplement some place settings we have we have some place but we don't have very many so i try to do that well just one little search for the particular you know name of the place setting i mean for months popping up hey place settings need to replace place settings how about coming here and so on the one hand it's already happening you know, this endless well, we're, data we're, collection. Yeah, we're certainly living in a post-privacy culture. And I think that people of my age kind of embraced that. We, we post the most intimate de- details of our lives on social media for, for our friends to consume. And so it doesn't surprise me as much when I hear something like this, this app is collecting the information of all these people. Uh, it just seems like par for the course, especially when you, you're getting all these ads for things you've searched, you're, you're, you're sharing this information, you don't even think twice about it. It's, it's an interesting question. It's something that we have to deal with now as a society. Well, to be really clear, this was actually, the group is called Cambridge Analytica, and uh, the, the firm had a $15 million investment from Robert Mercer, no friend of liberals, um, wealthy Republican donor, and he had Bannon involved with it. And so, but what they're really arguing about is the, they're using the expression harvesting of private information. But sure, I that would be the correct term, yeah. But 
Okay. The, the uh, question is, is the information private if you share it on Facebook? Right. Uh, yes, exactly. And, and again, to be clear, nobody was hacked. This isn't like when the Russians or whoever it was hacked into the DNC server. This is not hacking. This is permission given. But you do start to re- – I mean, I can see why you hear some people saying, you know what? I'm actually going to go off the grid. I'm going to live in a little cabin in Montana. I, I mean – I don't know which way to go with this because I think on the one hand, I'm irritated by data collected. I don't like it. But on the other hand, this is going to be made into some huge wrongdoing by Trump and doesn't sound like there really was wrongdoing. Or does it strike you? Does this cross the line to you? No, I, 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 I think it's, it's dicey. And I think that if I learn more about it, I have a better answer for you. But I think that certainly you, you couldn't blame Trump himself. I don't think Trump was in there with the Cambridge Analytics team thinking, oh, how can we, we harvest data from Facebook? I don't right. think Trump is that sophisticated when it comes to technology like that. Uh, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to, to you know, draw this out into a serious issue. I think it's, it's something that's going to be gone with the news cycle. Yeah, I think it will, although I think the... the well, accus- actually, to clarify, I think there'll be people on the left who will draw this out for weeks and nobody will yeah. listen to them because it's a joke. <laughs> it is a joke. But I, you know, just to be, just the way the media uses terms, even the couple articles I read about it had, it first of all, used the expression exploited. It said that Donald Trump campaign consultants exploited Facebook data of millions. Well, if you use data that you're already putting out there, if I put on Facebook every day I love Reese's Cups, and then someone knows that, like, I mean, of course they know that. So whatever you put out there, how is it exploited? I don't know. I, you're right that maybe it's going to get dropped. So people are going to use these big buzzwords. It's a breach. It's data harvesting. It's uh, it, it's it's uh exploitation. And it, at the end of the day, this is this is not stealing people's credit card numbers. It's not... Oh yeah, identity. no money, no yeah, money. There's, there's involved. no, there's no money involved in this. It's literally just, uh, it's a marketing scheme. So it's, it's definitely dicey, and I'm, I'm interested to see where law goes on this as soon as, as any sort of legislation is formed. Oh yeah, and I don't even know if you can legislate on this. Honestly, I think it's really hard. Anyway, I just thought it was a very interesting story. I think there's just a, a just a determination to discredit Donald Trump at every step of the way. And this is another one. Well, they had to steal data or they exploited data. Okay. And the plus side for the right is that uh, the, the more they try with these more outlandish stories to discredit Trump, the less power they'll have. I hope that's right. I do. You know, I, yeah, as as I talk to people who are moderates or who are not really uh, politically involved on campus, what they say to me is, you know, I, I see the media just trying to discredit Donald Trump with some of the the, the most frivolous issues. Uh, it, it loses a lot of its credibility. I hope it does. And this is a great thing. Well, the last three minutes, I'll loop back to my story. I was telling you this story when I finally kind of recognized what they were talking about. This story that, again, Andrew McCarthy, a very serious, substantive, you know, conservative commentator. I was hoping he would be attorney general. I still would like him to be. I mean, U.S. attorney general. He is that caliber of lawyer, prosecutor, writer. I've had him on the show a couple of times. Brilliant guy. But he's writing about, he's finally agreeing that Mueller has veered off the high, noble ground stature of a prosecutor, a special prosecutor, and is concocting a crime that does not exist in federal law against uh, two individuals, as Paul Manafort and his sidekick, uh, whose name I always forget, Gates. Richard, I think his name is Richard Gates. I mean, charging, talking about charging with a crime that doesn't exist. And just if you didn't know this, this is a few, a few weeks ago we, when we had— um, 
we had Sidney Powell on the show, and she was talking about what happened under Enron. This is the same thing that Andrew Weissman did during the Enron prosecution, and Weissman's now on Mueller's team, which is charge people with a crime that doesn't exist. Uh, and then the Supreme Court finally said, no, I know you can't do that. But in the particular why it's so problematic is this appears to be giving Mueller a basis to charge Trump and somebody on his team, President Trump and somebody with whom he discussed the notion, do you think we should fire Mueller, make that into a newly created charge called cons- uh, conspiracy against the U.S.? I'm telling you, does that, I mean, I'm so, I'm really bothered. Does this strike you? It's strike very you? concerning. It's uh, it's something that it's also very convoluted, so it's hard to understand. So if you don't have a, a huge attention span or you're not, you're, <laughs> if you're not laser focused on this particular issue, it becomes hard to comprehend. Uh, so I I think the, the the one good thing that's coming out of this is that people are starting to realize that the FBI has a heavy political bent right now. Not to say that they always have, but they have right now. And uh, it's it's again, it's it's demolishing the credibility of Mueller and his, and his investigation, which is a shame because if he did find something, he would he would have no ground to stand on to present it. He absolutely would not. And, you know, this Mueller thing we talked about many times, I mean, the. The entire, and in fact, it ties back to our point in the uh, beginning of the show, Andrew McCabe. These people, uh, Andrew McCabe in particular, Comey, a whole slew of them, the upper echelon of the FBI and Department of Justice decided a long time ago, as Trump came along, they first of all assumed Hillary would win the campaign, but they've decided that Trump simply can't be president, that they're going to find a way to take him out. And this is another one of them. We're going we're gonna to charge a president with a crime. This would be what Mueller is headed with the crime of discussing with his subordinates whether he should fire a special prosecutor, which he has 100% clear constitutional authority to do. But Mueller is cogitating about all this uh, just to say, maybe we can make this a crime. Folks, we'll be talking about this for weeks to come. I want to remind you, tune in Wednesday, 3 p.m. on my podcast right here on Facebook Live. I do my Wednesday, 3 p.m. podcast. Come back next week, every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Love talking with you about America. And Price Morgan, thank you. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America.